Welcome to my Campaign Shop Independent Summer 2021 special podcast series. We have so many exciting things planned, but I thought one of the best ways to spread the message of supporting small businesses is right here on my podcast. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down. Where we're going, you won't need to bring your frown. A huge thanks to Dell Technologies, NatWest and Royal Mail, all our small business supporters, for joining us to bring Campaign Shop Independent to life this summer. They truly believe in the colour, creativity and magic that small businesses bring to the UK. And so join forces to support this community and encourage everyone to understand the impact of voting with their money. This week, we have two highly creative and passionate female founders who have turned their unique passions into highly successful businesses and are inspiring the next generation to do exactly the same. I look back to when I founded Not On The High Street, asking for investment from a room full of grey-haired male accountants and VCs who didn't understand shopping or marketplaces. I remember feeling, is this idea too niche? Now, there's a generation of successful small female-founded businesses selling biscuit cushions or small-flavoured donuts, turning their niche brands into thriving businesses. It's so inspiring to see. First up, we have one of the first small businesses I ever came across. I remember when launching Not On The High Street, I was always on the hunt for the less ordinary products. And when I came across Nikki, who made cushions which looked like biscuits, I was obsessed. Nikki McWilliams is the biscuit-loving female founder behind her namesake brand and also her other business, Nikki's Supply Store, a stationery shop of those who love to journal. Her brand brings so much joy through her creativity and love of the humble design of classic biscuits and is a brilliant example of how a business with a strong niche and a beautifully designed product range can be really successful and continue to be for many, many years. Her Instagram is colourful and inspiring for creatives and DIYers everywhere. And I, for one, love following her. So I can't wait to chat to Nikki today. Hi, Nikki. It is wonderful to speak to you because I was just mentioning that not only the whole of Holly & Co are big fans of yours, but specifically the founders and my co-founder, Gabby, who is a Tunnock's Tea Cake fanatic, if there is such a thing. I mean, actually, you are a fanatic, so there is a thing. But um, just to let you know, you found a kindred spirit. (laughs) See, that's a really interesting thing about being in this line of work. You find a lot of kindred spirits who have the same opinions about biscuits. That's what's kept me going for such a long time. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? I can't wait to get into this, actually. So for those who might not know you, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? I run NikkiMcWilliams.com, which is a design and homeware company inspired by my own personal love of tea and biscuits. So I started the business in 2009, just after I was leaving art school. I did struggle through art school. I did find it difficult Mm -hmm. to get through my degree because I couldn't think of any good ideas. I was like, what's a good idea? (laughs) And I found that they came to me when I'd stopped for a break. I have a cup of tea and a biscuit. And I was like, maybe I'm forcing it. Maybe this is a good idea. 
I sort of started doodling and drawing and I used sketchbooks quite a lot at that point in time. And it really took a while for it to develop into a business idea. So it wasn't until I went back to a local print studio and learned how to screen print to reproduce things over and over again. That's, I think, when the light bulb sort of switched on and, and I thought, well, maybe I could reproduce my drawings, my designs as something in multiples. And I printed on paper for quite a long time before I actually moved to fabric. And the studio that I used actually wasn't set up for fabric. So I had to do like a lot of the research for that myself and kind of teach myself how to work in that medium. So, yeah, I think that was the real point where I thought maybe this could be something. So this is the thing, because I think what I love about your business is how niche it is. Mm-hmm. Who'd have thought that you could create a hugely successful and thriving and long-lasting business from biscuit cushions, right? And But this is when I go and speak to those who are dreaming about starting a business and they have no idea what it should be about. I'm like, look close to home about what you're obsessed about because it could be that obsession that's obscure that could become your business. What's your thoughts about being niche? And is it even niche? Because guess what? There is a country who loves biscuits. And what's your advice about then maybe starting that business in what feels like maybe a narrow lane. So, yeah, I think at the beginning I did feel like it was niche. I spoke to a few people about the idea and they looked at me like I was from another planet. They were like, <laughs> what do you mean? So it's a, you can eat it or like you're just making really big biscuits. What's going on here? But yeah, at the beginning, I feel like it really was niche. I didn't really think there would be many people who would into them. I thought maybe I'll sell a few of these. Maybe I'll move on to something else because up until that point I tried lots of different ideas and it turned out that there actually was a great deal of people who were all in the same boat as me and I thought this is really interesting and I really tried to dig into why it was that other people had the same feelings and it came down to nostalgia and it's that Mm. idea of having these fond memories of Um, things in the past and for a lot of people biscuits have those fond memories because it's a really comforting time with either like a relative or going to visit your granny or a friend or having a break with a pal and um, that was sort of the jumping off point. How has it developed over time? You've said that you don't think it's a niche business now because of course you've had success over that and I'd love to touch on what makes a sort of heirloom product in a way. But how do you feel now about what you develop and learning from those initial stages of developing the biscuit cushions? I've been quite true to sort of my original ideas. Over the years, I've thought, oh, maybe I could branch out into other sweet treats. Maybe I could do pick and mix. Maybe I could do pastries. But I didn't have the same real connection and feelings Mm -hmm. towards them as I Mm -hmm. did biscuits and I thought I really have to be true to myself here because if I am not true to myself I don't think people are going to connect with the products in the same way so I did really try and keep that in mind when I was developing new products and I think that's why I haven't gone off on lots of super tangents over the years I've really kept it to sort of quite a core product line 
and so and, people know and, what they're and, getting. Yes, that's it. And and that's where your brand starts developing, right? Because mm. of those decisions that no one else knows you're making behind the yeah. scenes keeps your brand very, very pure. I love how your biscuit cushions are basically a design classic because you've had this in your product range, haven't you, for years now. Mm. And we're often told or we often think we've got to create new products. We've got to ditch the old ones, right? Customers don't want that. They want yeah. new. But what you've created is timeless. It's the Tunnock's Tea Cake, for example. It's why so many people love them. It's the design classic. The design is over 50 years old. And it's an heirloom rather than landfill. And there, there, there's this, I, I was just looking at your Instagram. I love that you made, by the way, tiny cat cushions. <laughs> I mean, do you know how much joy that brings? For anyone who can't understand what I'm saying here, Nikki has made her tiny biscuit cushions, but for her cat. And there's an image of her cat cuddling up to these cushions, which I, I'm sure has broken the internet. But what's your advice when, to other small businesses when creating a product range? I think that for me, you have to be true to yourself. Like the, the cat cushions, they were again an idea that when I first said it out loud, I thought that sounds ridiculous. And then I was like, well, <laughs> I was like the, the initial idea really sounded ridiculous once upon a time and now it's not. So maybe just give it a chance and see where to take it. But yeah, that was something that again, I was really invested in. And then it turns out lots of other people were as well. So, yeah, tiny cat furniture is a whole realm of the internet that I'm just discovering. <laughs> it's quite it, exciting. Yeah, it is exciting, but keeps within your brand, right? Mm -hmm. Keeps within the confines. So that's almost a prime example where you didn't go to pastries and you didn't go to sweets. You kept within biscuits, but then biscuits mm -hmm. didn't have to stay where you were at, you could still look at biscuits, but in different uh, industries, in different consumers, in different ways. And I think that's another thing is our creative brain. I know I've spoken to many founders. It's you will always have the new idea. Never fear. As much as you put the sort of boundaries around your business like you did, you did create new ideas. Have you ever been scared about that, like you were at um, uni, you know, that you weren't going to have more ideas. Yeah, I've been through times where I felt like maybe my, my ideas had run out. And that is a really frightening prospect. What what if I never have another good idea? What if people just want me to do the same thing over and over again? But as you said, branching into other areas, it's not just cushions now, maybe it's cushions for pets. I started doing jewellery a few years ago as well. So setting myself like some really quite rigid boundaries around where I wanted to take things and not letting myself go too far outside of those. So it still has to be my love of biscuits, which inspired the things. But branching into other product areas as well has been quite exciting and refreshing. That's the other thing we always have to realise. We've got to keep our own fires of curiosity burning, don't we? Because yeah. a consumer, as you said, could just want the same cushion over and over again. And then you've confined yourself. So you could worry, oh my goodness, I'm I'm not going to wake up with that fire in my belly for something. <laughs> but hey, we're, I'm going to learn how to create jewellery. So you can actually look at your areas and think, wait, let's get a new skill set or let's mm -hmm. learn something new. Is that important to you? Yeah, 100%. Like when I created the cushions, I was learning a new skill. 
I was learning how to screen print. And for me, learning new creative things, I think, is when my creative cogs really start to turn. So mm. it's the same with the jewellery. Um, I started off making badges and I've moved on to necklaces. Like I'm, the next thing that I want to look at, I'm debating whether or not to keep it for myself as a hobby is ceramics. So oh I, I did a ceramics goodness. course and I just love making things. But right now it's just for me. Um, oh, please don't let it continue just to be for you. <laughs> oh, I've already <laughs> I've already bought your products and given them to many biscuit fanatics for Christmas, your ceramic pots. Honestly, I've just literally bought them in my mind. I think that's such an amazing wow. idea. <laughs> what would stop you keeping it for you or commercialise it? I think it's that whole idea of giving, turning all of my hobbies into businesses and then making, like putting more pressure onto me to be a money-making machine almost. It's right now I'm enjoying learning that skill and just being really creative with it. Because mm -hmm. I think when the pressure of having to make something that is commercial is added, it really changes how you create. And right now I feel like I need to give myself that creative space just to explore those ideas and get better at it because I'm not good right now. <laughs> Get, so like, you're saying I wouldn't want to buy your biscuits, <laughs> ceramics right now. I mean, you might. <laughs> this is the other thing as well. It's like you, you become like a perfectionist when something is going to be for sale. You think, oh, it has to be a certain way. It has to be mm -hmm. neat. It has to be this. But often the things that work really well are things that are organic, things that are a little bit handmade looking. And that is what I think worked with the cushions because a lot of the designs for those were drawings that I did in my sketchbook and then were scanned so they were a little bit rough around the edges and I just kept all of those like initial um, imperfections almost in there. I still think you should uh, <laughs> Maybe I, I, one I'm going to wait but I'm going to I'm just going to keep my eye out <laughs> I love the fact that you even had a biscuit themed wedding because I <laughs> I looked at the photos right and the rings were on the nice biscuit and your jammy yep. dodger shoes mm -hmm. and I'm just a huge advocate of wearing your brand so that must have been a bit of a moment walking up the aisle with your jammy dodger shoes do you think that that's an important part of a brand to have that fun to to sort of be mrs biscuit yeah a hundred percent i mean there was no question about whether or not we used biscuit things in the wedding it was just yeah like this is a part of my life michael i mean whether he likes it or not <laughs> it's a part of his life as well it, it was fun and it was without question what we were going to do because it's like, this is our life. It is beautiful and at times ridiculous and let's just embrace it. This is us, basically. This is yeah. who I am. And yeah, I think I do try to stick to that and having a biscuit wedding was absolutely it was the way to Absolutely. go. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I could, I'm, I'm with you. I wish this for lots of other people, right? Because it is great for your brand. It's great for your story on Instagram, what you share with people. It, it gives you the authenticity that this really is you. You also had another amazing moment in 2012. I mean, this must have been such a pinch yourself moment where Selfridges filled their windows with your cushions in celebrations of the Olympics and the Jubilee. Can you just share this story? I mean, how did they pick up the phone to you and did they just announce it? Well, 
I had done a trade show in London about six months prior and it was the first trade show I'd ever done. And um, it was basically three whole days of meeting buyers from all over the world. And I met the Selfridges buyer there and they were really nice. I thought I might get an order if I was really, really lucky. But it turned out that they were doing these plans for this big celebration around the Olympics and the Jubilee. And that was the main reason that they wanted to stock the cushions. They had this, again, bonkers but brilliant idea that there was going to be a builder's tea party. So they'd combined these two things of like a building site. <laughs> you know, it's something that you see all the time up with builders with like their bum hanging out their jeans and yeah. <laughs> cement yeah. mixers, but then combined it that with the idea of having an afternoon tea. So there was these builders having an afternoon tea with these biscuits and their cement mixers which was just such a fun concept. Uh, I had to go down and see that. I was like, definitely, I can't miss this. This might never happen again. And I don't think really I've had a window bigger than that with any of my stockists. It just goes to show you, potentially the crazier the idea, the better. Mm -hmm. You also have another business, uh, Nikki's Supply Store, which sells yes. lots of beautiful stationery, journals, pens, tapes. I mean, everything to stay super organized and I have to say it's an obsession I call it like stationary porn or stationary <laughs> philia right and I oh, know I everyone <laughs> everyone here right now listening is nodding their head because it is like do not bother starting a new business if you haven't got a new notepad right exactly or even, or even like a new year or new era like even yeah. if it's like in the middle of the year you just need that new note notepad just to you know with the new pen maybe a paper clip so that you could turn the page and not have to turn it the next day. 100%. Yeah. So again, that was something that I obviously have the same stationary obsession as you and many other people. And I'm not the first stationary store out there. Like it's not a new concept. But the idea for that was, I mean, first up, it was so that I could have my own personal giant stationary cupboard somewhere. <laughs> but I secondly, mean... yeah, it was just something that it, it was it was me. And I knew mm -hmm. that I had a lot of knowledge about this. Um, I'd started bullet journaling. So it was a cross between like sketchbooking and keeping a traditional planner. And there just wasn't anywhere that sold all of the things that I liked. So I thought this is slightly different. I'm not making all of the products myself. I'm curating this time. Yes. And that's how it started. It was more of like a curation of objects and things that I like that I wanted to share with other people. But since then, I obviously can't help myself. I've started designing my own stationery. So <laughs> yeah, it's been fun starting another business fresh with that knowledge that I gained in the first few years of the biscuit shop. And you keep these two businesses separate because I know a lot of companies out there maybe have actually a couple of passions. Mm. And I'd love to know your experience on this of why you keep the businesses separate and how it works for you to keep them separate. Mm. And do you spend, you know, 50% of your time on both? Or is it that when one starts crying, you ignore the other? Like, how do you do this? And would you recommend it to those out there to say, actually, having a couple of brands is fine. It's doable. I think for me, it was really important for them to be totally separate. There was no pressure with this new business. I didn't have to mm -hmm. make a specific type of product. I could just have this new interest area without trying to squeeze it into the box of my original business. 
Um, but it is difficult. <laughs> but it's nice is to it? both. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, having to juggle both of those and giving them both the amount of attention that they need, because obviously a new business is a lot yes. of work to start and then less once things are ticking over. But yeah, I definitely did give that some more time in the beginning. And now they're starting to even out a little bit. But initially right. I thought maybe this is a side hustle. Maybe this is just something that I do as a me project so that I can justify buying lots of extra stationery. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's not. It's, You're sitting stuff. in front of a cupboard and I'm just picturing, don't, I, I, it might not be the cupboard, but I'm just picturing <laughs> that if you opened it up, it'd be like that noise, la la. Yeah. And there would just be, you know, your from your post-it notes to your paper clips, your journals. I mean, just everybody's dream to have a stationary cupboard that you but I do get it you know it's mm. do you think that when you're really passionate about one and maybe a bit annoyed by the other a little bit like having children I suppose mm. does it help you love the other one a bit you know when times are tough you know yeah, that almost you sure. can get your energy does that make sense it does that yeah. happen to you yeah totally it's nice to have one that you can lean on when the other one maybe isn't your favorite so like the cushion business is definitely more seasonal in the way that people buy a lot over christmas time it's a gifting thing um but then the stationery business has lots of different little like milestones throughout the year so back to school back to university mm -hmm. or people just starting a new job or a new project so so that one sort of ticks over in a different way, but it definitely, they do complement each other. And I was mindful of trying to keep them both um, on an equal footing um, so that I could lean on one when maybe the other one wasn't as busy or I wasn't feeling it as much. <laughs> So would you would you recommend it to others to give it a go if they if they do think that they've got something that could be another business would mm -hmm. you say it's a it is something that is manageable Yeah I would say so I mean it's all about how much time you want to dedicate to it but at the mm -hmm. beginning I just set aside a few hours a week and just really took it from there uh, I I enjoy it it's nice to have something that's totally different that's a bit free even like running the social media accounts, the Instagram, it's totally different to the Biscuit Instagram. I really feel yeah. invested in that one. I've run that account for about 11, 12 years since before <laughs> my business was even a business. And it's like, there's a lot of pressure there. Yes, Whereas, yes. you know, the new shop, you know, it's, I've got lots of product images. I can chat about yeah. stationery. Yeah. yeah, it's easy. It just feels a little bit like there's less on the line. Second born. It's it's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just a little bit like yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just letting it stay up late. <laughs> it doesn't really matter if they're going to bed at 9pm, but they're only two. Don't worry about I it. I love that. Yeah, that's totally it. You've hit the nail on the head there. That's yeah. It. Well, I always liken businesses to having children. You know, it really does feel <laughs> like that. You know, the way, I, I read in an article just as a complete random fact that you um had a business and I saw it involved Monster Munch um right at the beginning is that right <laughs> yeah when I was like five or six years old my business idea was I'm gonna get packets of Monster Munch from the house open them and sell the individual Monster Munch genius <laughs> but that's it's, quite clever right for mm, a five-year-old to be thinking well, yeah. like that Come on, that is really, really, it's looking for a margin within your Munster Munch package. I say it because I started my type of career 
with Monster Munch as well because oh, I created really? the yeah yes t- Monster Munch and by the way it still lives on very much so in my adult life um, but yes I had a tuck shop I started the first school tuck shop I would go off to Costco with my card and my mum and I'd buy all the boxes of Monster Munch and I would sell them and we'd make a profit but then I would even take some of the Monster Munch and do sort of like a black market with them as well so I would have <laughs> The, the window out the front that I would sell to, but then I had the door on the side. Now, the door mm. on the side, I'd make less profit, but I had volume going out right, there. Okay. So, yeah, so you've got you know, many wholesale business on outside oh, Gosh, yeah, it was, it was hard, you know, hard work. But <laughs> Monster Munch is, is, is a very good place to start, isn't it? Tell me, um, I really have so enjoyed talking to you. Um, I've got a final two questions that I'm going to ask, and I'm asking all of my guests on this um, series for Campaign Shop Independent Summer. The campaign, as we know, is reminding everybody to support small, um, not just at Christmas time, not just in a pandemic, but absolutely every single day. And for us to consciously think about this and think about the founders that we're going to help, the communities that we're going to keep thriving. What does it mean to you when someone votes with their money and buys a beautiful biscuit cushion from you supporting your small business? I guess it means that... I'm able to be a creative soul, basically. Mm. Um, Without my business, I would probably be in unemployment of some sort, that I would not get to really run wild with my creativity. And with this, I do. And I'm so thankful for that. I mean, the ideas that I started off with, I thought were wild and they would never really take me anywhere. But people supporting my business means that they have and it's just incredible. It means so much to me. It's sort of given you your life that you it live. It has, yeah. I'm painting the front door of our house right now, which was purchased with money from my business. And I was like, I need to make the doorbell a jam ring. I'm going to do that. I don't know how, but I'm going to make the doorbell a jam ring and the button's going to be jam. And then people can come to my biscuit house and ring my biscuit doorbell. <laughs> That's a plan. There you go. That's the plan. Living the biscuit <laughs> life, huh? That's it, yeah. And and what are your favourite small businesses that you would like to give a shout out to on this podcast so that we can all go away and support them? Oh, okay. So I have been quilting as a hobby. That's something that I took up in the last year as a little bit of a me time craft. And I love grid fabrics for their amazing selection of fabrics. They're based out in Glasgow and they sell quilt fabrics, things for dressmaking. Oh, everything they choose is just absolutely beautiful. And Scarlett Erskine, she actually made our wedding bands and my engagement ring. She moved into my old studio when I moved out of it in Dundee. Oh, wow. Yeah, but she makes amazing jewellery. It's all um, uh, fine jewellery, so silver, gold, diamonds, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I love Scarlett and, and grid fabrics. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you so, so much. I think so many people are going to come away from this and either have the confidence to go for their mad idea, but also I think that maybe others who might be not tired, tired's the wrong word, but been running their business for so long, maybe what they need to do is inject a new business into their lives, which seems preposterous, (laughs) 
right? We're, we're all like, I'm hard to keep start up with another this business. One. Just yeah, start. Why what not? What are you going on about? You want some energy? Start a business. But, uh, but actually, to maybe go for it and and not put the pressure, as you said, not the financial pressure, but actually just do it for your own creative soul, your own yeah. mojo, and see what happens from there. Um, I've learned. I'm I'm not going to go away and create another business. That's um, that. But I am thinking that that cupboard, if I had a stationary cupboard mm. just for me, what a thing that would be. Your happy place. It's my, my happy, happy place. happy place, yeah. I'd yeah. get in it sometimes. Just have a little nap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. Have the most brilliant day and thank you for your time. Oh, thank you so much, Holly. It was lovely to chat to oh, you. Oh, lovely. Do you believe in the colour and creativity of small creative businesses? If so, I'm calling on you to help me spread the word of Campaign Shop Independent this summer to ensure that independents across the country not only survive, but thrive. I'll be giving away 300 guerrilla marketing packs filled with exclusive campaign posters for you to spread the message across your own town or city. The more creative, the better. To be in with a chance to get your very own pack and join the movement, head to holly.co slash campaign. But be quick, because once they're gone, they're gone. Next up, we have Lungi Malanga, the founder of Treats Club and a most inspiring female founder. I had the pleasure of meeting her last year because she won the runners-up for Best Newcomer in the Independent Awards. And what an honour it was to present her with £5,000 worth of prize money. I had a small glimpse of how hardworking, determined, creative and passionate she was about creating her delicious food brand. And I can't even look at her Instagram as it makes me just completely drool and want to just jump in a car and go straight to her Nutella and Oreo S'mores hot donuts. She's paving the way for black female founders as not only did she found her business during the hardest years for us businesses during the pandemic, but also opened two physical spaces within six months of each other. With her sellout hot donut kits trading online, she is just definitely one to watch and someone I can't wait to chat to. Hi Lungi, I mean a long time ago you and I were together weren't we but it was in different circumstances it was December and you were winning one of the Holly and Co independent awards. Yeah. How wonderful to see you again. It's amazing and so good to see you again and that day is definitely something that I will never ever forget. It was just an incredible incredible moment. Oh, I'm so so pleased. Well, I have to know what's on the donut menu today at Seven Dials. Oh, so oh gosh, we've got so many incredible. We've got a tiramisu donut on the menu today, which is my personal favorite and you special. We've got eaten mess cheesecake, vanilla creme brulee. We've got so many incredible. We've got hot Oreo sundaes. We also have ice cream, coffee, ice drinks. It's just oh, so much going gosh. on. We've got a oh, big my... menu. I just I haven't had breakfast nor lunch. <laughs> I'm salivating. I need one of those things in my life. So for people who don't know what Treats Club is all about, can you tell us what you make and where you sell from? 
Sure. So for those of you who don't know, Treats Club is a dessert brand. We specialize in donuts, ice cream, hot chocolate, basically all the healthy stuff. And we have two locations. We've got one at Nestle Market in Hackney and one at Seven Dials Market in Covent Garden, which is just the most incredible indoor food hall full of completely independent traders and food businesses all run by just really cool people who wanted to relive their dream and create something that they're proud of. I I'm, I think anyone who's listening, we need to go and support this unbelievable concept and vote with our money for donuts to start <laughs> yes. with. But it must be a lovely place. Do you find that everybody has started off doing something else and then have come into like finding their passion or did they start that way? I think for sure everybody started doing something else like I came from a makeup background so I actually used to be a makeup trainer for MAC Cosmetics so that was what I did before this so a completely different field different avenue but I also feel like a lot of it's interchangeable like there's so much that I learned at MAC which was truly an incredible place to work that I've now taken into my own business, like the company culture and the way that I want my staff to be treated. So I think if anything, it's more valuable for me to have had that outside experience because mm-hmm. I don't just know one thing. Um, and I think that's true for a lot of entrepreneurs. We kind of wear wore so many hats in our life that have kind of led us to the point we're at now, which I think is just really great. And where did you begin your story? So MAC Cosmetics, so you're putting on someone's eyeshadow. Yep. And what are you doing? Dreaming of donuts? Yeah, I mean, I think, do you know, if I'm being completely honest, I say this to people all the time, I kind of accidentally got into making donuts. Um, I was baking at the time I was making cakes. So I was doing that when I was living in Dubai because I lived in Dubai for almost five years. Um, That was where I worked for MAC. And I started off doing cakes. I had a lot of people requesting because I was posting them online just as a hobby. And then people started wanting me to make them for birthdays. Then one day someone booked me to do donuts and I completely messed up the order. Like the donuts were terrible. And this would have oh, deterred no. a lot of, yeah, no, it was really bad. It was so embarrassing. Like still to this day, it was, luckily it was one of my friends, so it's fine. Um, but still to this oh. day, we talk about it. But the donuts came out horrible. And I have a thing, like whenever I fail at something, I won't stop until I, I get it done. Like I'm, I'm just really, it just doesn't come out of my head. So I just kept making donuts, making donuts until I could get them right. And then when I finally did, I was like, oh, this is why people think donuts are incredible. Because when you get a good one, they are just mind blowing. So that was where the obsession began. And I was like, donuts needs to be the avenue um, because it's what I'm passionate about. It's what I love doing. I love how difficult the process is. I love that not everyone can do it. And yeah, and that now here we are, maybe what, five, six years later from when I actually started the idea mm. in my head to it being actually in real life a brand which is incredible. So the journey I know for anyone who starts a business is not smooth. What advice would you give to others who want to go into the food and beverage industry? My number one lesson that I would share is to leave your ego at the door. I say this to people all the time when they want to start a business. I think there can be really big dreams behind starting the business as there should be any business you're doing no matter what field. But one of the things that you learn very quickly is you will be humbled by everything from your customers to something going wrong, to you losing money, to you having a bad day where you don't sell anything. And I think if you've got an ego in this business, it won't get you anywhere. All the times I've had to Mm. ask people for help because I've failed at something or I haven't achieved something in the way I wanted to have been the times that I've actually learned and grown the most. So I would say, leave your ego at the door and take every failure as a positive. And I know that sounds ridiculous and it's like one of those things written on a greeting card, but... 
it really does matter because every time I failed at something, it has led me to exactly where I am now, which is exactly where I'm supposed to be. So I'd also just say, trust the process as well. Like don't second guess yourself. Mm. Some people do it in a year, some people in six years, just follow your own timeline. Yeah. Follow your own time. You're so right. You're not late and you're not early. You're just exactly where you're meant to be. And do you think that your ego got put into check when you started this business? I mean, well, I'm a Leo. So if anyone who believes in star signs will tell you Leos are, we are very attention seeking. We have massive egos. We struggle very much with failure. We we almost don't understand how failure is possible. So when it happens to us, it like knocks us for six. Mm-hmm. Um, and any other Leo, It does not compute. It just makes no sense to me. Like I have the mindset of how is something not possible? Like everything's possible. So mm-hmm. I think for, for me personally, it was a massive challenge. Like we've had so many things go wrong in the business. But now I've I've really just learned to understand that I'm doing something I love. And the minute it stops feeling like I'm doing something I love, I'm doing something wrong. So yes, there'll be bad days, but I have to remember that everything that I've got right now, I prayed for. So even the bad comes along with the good. It's never perfect. And I think understanding that is what will kind of get you through. Because I think we have this idea that happiness is rooted in a particular goal. Like, oh, I'll be happy once I'm featured in this magazine or, oh, I'll be happy once Mm -hmm. I have this location. You have to create that happiness in what you're doing now because 10 months ago, 12 months ago, a year ago, go to you didn't have that and that was what you wished for yeah god they, they these are wise words you know we're only eight minutes in eight minutes in and we're getting big doses of brilliant words I mean t- tell me about um the food and beverage industry really is quite notoriously male dominated mm-hmm. um yeah. and I know um, many female chefs um have shared their experiences of adversity and sexism with me um on my um podcast I can't imagine how difficult it's been maybe as a woman of colour even to navigate um, this industry. Tell me about that. Has that been your experience? Massively so. So I consciously go out of my way to create what I like to call a girls club. Like I have a girls club of other food traders Mm -hmm. who are female owned. Um, We all kind of give each other advice. I make sure I connect people as much as possible because if I'm being honest with you, I'm just tired of this like idea that this industry is solely for men or that there's only space for males and that they're the only ones who get taken seriously. Like I can't tell you the number of times I've been sat in a room surrounded by other male business owners and I don't even, nobody even asks me an opinion on a subject and yet I'm just as knowledgeable as they are. First of all, how I combat that is I make space for myself. I don't wait for anyone to give me permission. And I used to very much suffer from this imposter syndrome of like, oh my God, I'm so lucky that I'm here and that they let me in. I'm not lucky. I worked for this and so did every other woman who's doing this as well. So I tell anyone who asks me for advice, stop being polite. If they call you bossy, well done. It means you're doing something right. And if they don't like what you have to say, tough. They don't like what a lot of men have to say. But if a man says something we don't like, it's, oh, he's strong. He's he's assertive. He knows what he's doing. He's a business mm-hmm. owner. That's how he got where he's going to. But with women, people are just offended by the idea that we know our own minds and can create something great. So I really feel like our responsibility as female business owners is bigger than us. Like I'm here to open a door for someone else to run past me. That's literally what I'm here for. Mm. So if someone else gets a massive opportunity from the tiniest little thing that I can do, wonderful. That's exactly why I'm here because someone else did it for me before that I don't even know. Love that. Yes, yes, yes. I wish it was all even if I, Lungi, do you know what I mean? Like I don't actually like it that it's not because I'm I'm not interested. I'm probably you too, right? In creating a girls club. But at the same time, 
in this period of the moment when we live right now, that's what's required. Yeah. If women and men created businesses at the same rate, you know, women would pump in 400 billion pounds in the next five years into this economy, but we're not. No. And so how can we help our sisters actually, as you said, I love that. Me too. Go past me, yeah. run up the ladder, mm -hmm. go and get the gigs that I'm slightly a little bit, 1% jealous of, right? 99% <laughs> happy, 1% jealous yeah, of, which right? Yeah, um, it's healthy. Which is healthy, but, but you know, that would give me such pleasure if yeah. I thought that was the, the case. Do you, do you think that that's an important thing in any industry to find your sort of flock to, to have a wingman or woman mm -hmm. with you? You need people in your corner. Like it's it's not, it's, I say to people starting a business is like raising a child. The same way it say, they say it takes a village to raise a child. It's exactly the same for a business. Um, yeah. Everyone is part of your village, whether it's another trader who's next to you or whether it's your supplier or whether it's your delivery driver, you have to build those relationships. And it's really important that you find a way for people to take you seriously, respect you, but also have relationships where, you know, if you need to ask for a favor or you need help with something, people are willing to do that. You know, like our delivery driver, sometimes we're late. So we have a certain slot with him mm -hmm. when he comes to collect the donuts in the morning. Sometimes we might be running 15 minutes late because we have a great relationship with him. He will absolutely never make us feel bad about it. And just that little thing can make such a difference to our mm -hmm. day and how we perform. Mm -hmm. So I think all of these things are important. I think find your flock, find your people who are going to be there to cheerlead you, but also be around people who are going to hold you accountable as well. Yes. I cannot stand the idea of me taking my business in the wrong direction and somebody not pulling me up on it. I will share stuff with people who will be like, oh, really? You, you want to add waffles to your menu, but you you don't you don't even care about waffles. What are you doing that for? Just to make money. Like, mm -hmm. I need people like that. It's normally my parents, to be honest. They're amazing. Like, yes. they're so invested yes. in my business. And they will be the people who will be like, um, no, stick to what you're doing. Just because you had a bad day doesn't mean you now have to change everything that you're doing. Just focus on your... You don't have to do waffles. No, you don't have to do... I th and I used to think or that. Or maybe are you doing waffles? No, no, we won't be doing waffles. I mean, we're going to be doing something donut waffle related at some point, which, you know, it's not happening Ooh. for a while. Little spoiler. And it may have fried chicken involved, but we're not going to talk about that just yet. Mm. But for the meantime, we're going to stick to what... Because I get a lot of people who are like, oh, you should start doing cakes. And I'm like, but why? Why should I start doing cakes? Mm -hmm. There is a million people out yeah. there doing incredible cakes. And I really don't believe in doing something unless I, I personally feel like I'm doing it the best that you can find it. Like there's a reason I don't just throw a croissant on the menu just to sell things to the breakfast crowd. It's because mm -hmm. if I'm ever going to do croissants, which one day hopefully will go into doing pastries, I want it to be that I can taste that and be like, oh my gosh, can you believe what we've created? And that is literally how yes. I feel with every donut we have on the menu. I'm like, I can't believe we've put this together and this is a real thing. If you don't feel that about your own brand, who else is going to feel like that about it? So it, yeah. it starts with You've got you. to be your biggest 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 champion Absolutely. I mean and did you feel a bit of a pinch yourself moment I mean each time you make a donut you feel it but you know you're super young super successful you were recently listed as one of Forbes 30 under 30 I mean sorry was that just a bit did you do a bit of a dance in the kitchen I did I've I was I was almost to be honest with you the Forbes thing I still haven't even properly celebrated it yet because it doesn't I don't really believe it happened if I'm being completely honest and the only reason I say that is because it has been I believe in vision boards massively I, if I can give anyone any advice I know it sounds very like pie in the sky but really like everything I've put on my vision board 90% of it has come true 90% and I mean to like I where I am right now a nettle market has been on my vision board for years 
years and I now have a spot in the exact place. Same with Covent Garden, same with Forbes. Manifesting really does work for me. So because it's been on my vision board for so long and I only had like another year before I could do it because I'm 30 next year, I genuinely was like, I can't believe it's happened. And and then I also kind of had a moment and I was saying this to someone the other day, which I hope doesn't sound ungrateful, but I also had a moment where I was like, okay, but what now? Like it's happened now. Mm, so you you do also I know. that deflating thing of like, okay, I've achieved it now and this must be how, and I'm not comparing myself to them at all, but this must be how like big footballers feel when they finally like, I don't know, win the, I don't know what it is, Euros or whatever they call it. I don't know much about football, sorry. It must be how people feel or when they win an Olympic medal, which once again, I'm nowhere near that, but I'm just using it as my comparable example of like, okay, I've done it now. What next? Which explains to me why every time I watch Serena Williams or I watch Simone Biles, once again, going back and doing it again and again, I'm like, why are they doing this? Like, you've got nothing to prove. It's because they are trying to now compete with themselves. That's what the next thing is. It is something I would say happens. You know, I look at my 20-year career in small businesses and building businesses and I too have all these milestones, but your milestone that you reach, you've already created the next. And and, and actually sometimes that feels hard because it feels like you're in a a, a never-ending um, story that never has a destination. You get to that peak and then you realise when you've turned the corner, oh my goodness, I've got to do double the journey again. But uh, that is what this is all about, isn't it? It's giving yourself those milestones moving forward. So it means that when you're having a really shocking day, that's why you get out of bed. Talking about days, what is your average day like in running your business? Because um, reading your entry for the Independent Awards, I know that there is a lot of early mornings and late nights. So I'm in the kitchen every morning between 4.30 and 5am is normally the time I'm in the kitchen by. So I'll wake up at like 3.45 or 4am to get to the kitchen on time. And then I'll make the donuts between so like 5am to 10am, the donuts get collected and taken to Seven Dials. I will normally jump in the car with Darren from Dash Bros, who are a delivery company. I'll jump in the car with him, go to Seven Dials, and then I'll work there pretty much all day until the evening if we're not fully staffed, which we're currently not. So it's a lot of work. And I know this is not permanent. Once we get a chef and, you know, I will eventually get my life back ever so slightly, mm. like at least even one day off a week right now would be, you know, a godsend. But it's the life I signed up for. And, you know, be careful what you wish for because I'm being given everything I asked for. And it comes with a lot of work. With with all of that comes with, what do they say? With great power comes great responsibility. And I think that's the point that I'm at um, because I'm responsible for people's wages Gosh. now. So I can't just not turn up. I have to make sure that I show up for my team because they show up for me every day. That's my responsibility. Lingi, with that sort of mindset that you have, I absolutely think you're a leader of the future because... It's some of these things that you're saying has taken me 20 years to get to that point. It is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. That is, you know, anyone who thinks that this is an overnight success anywhere, you know, so a founder recently said, you know, this has been a 20-year overnight success. That is the truth. And when I when I think about 
one of the values I look at successful entrepreneurs, you know, when I try and create a common denominator, you know, the list, what does it take? I ha- Or I think about who I hire. It. I know it's those people that will put on the marigolds, do the worst jobs, no matter what it is, roll their sleeves up. You know, if the toilet floods, the basement leaks, they'll put the marigolds on, they'll smile, they'll make it not a problem. And these are the people, the 4.30s in the morning to the midnights, that are going to make something of worth, right? Not just financially, but make something of worth. It's an interesting thing. You, you're you're working so hard right now, but you obviously believe in this physical space because I know that you have your hot donut kits and cookie kits online and you could just go purely online, right? You, d- you don't actually have to be physical. Why is physical space important to you? So for me, to be honest, it's kind of a, for a very selfish reason. I, what motivates me and what keeps me going, one is my team. And then two, it's when I'm around my customers. This year, if we've learned anything, that it's just that we can't survive without that human connection, personally, I feel. Mm. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be an only online business. I think only online business is an incredible business model. And for retail, and maybe if you've got a craft business or you do art, that's incredible and it works perfectly for you. But I think when you you're doing food it is such a personal thing to have somebody eat something that you create being able to be there while they do it I think is just an invaluable part of the experience and it's just something that you can't quite replicate online food wise I personally feel with everything however our online business is also amazing for us as well because it gives us the opportunity to reach people who live in Birmingham or in Manchester or in Leeds who we ordinarily wouldn't be able to because we're London-based currently. So for me, there's also that side of the coin as well. You can still build that connection, but I love the idea of being able to do it in person as well as online. Um, And then you get, you know, moments like being featured on Sunday brunch and within one hour you had 200 orders and you had to close your books um, because your online sales, you know, blew up. So do you think it's going to be an area of your business that you do grow? Because it's almost like, isn't it, you either sort of start online completely Mm. and then you're like you know what I've got to get out in the world and this is what I do talk to people you know experience it have a brand HQ have an immersive experience like I do at Holly & Co or you're like yourselves you know it's food it's personal so I'm out and about but then you start to come online and Mm. you know it really does show you it's going to be the hybrid I would say it's the it's the how can you do both efficiently well not kill yourself over it because I'm wondering how you're even sending out those kits when you've got, I'm working out that you've had four hours sleep each, you know, night. Is it going to be a side of your business that you concentrate on as you scale up the staff and you can start to give it some love? At the moment, our kits are sold out because like exactly what you were just saying, I'm I'm one human being. I can't quite fulfill both right now. And the priority for us is our site in Seven Dials and also our place in Hackney because people are physically leaving their homes to come and see us. Mm, However, um, we get so many inquiries every week from people wanting to order 10 kits, 20 kits, 30 kits for like corporate things or just individual orders, which are just as important to us as the big ones. So I will eventually bring it back and I I want us to make sure that we're fulfilling it in a way that makes me proud. So the only reason I've kind of taken a step back from it for now is because I feel like we would be letting our customers down in terms of the timing 
things, we'd be able to fulfill things at the moment. And Mm -hmm. it's a really big strategy for us, especially coming to the winter months, because summer people are outdoors, but winter everyone's back in their homes again. And they would rather not have to leave the house if they can help it and for gifting as well towards the end of the year gifting is going to be an incredible thing for us so for sure they are coming back and it is like it's just such a unique product we're the only ones in the whole country doing a hot donut kit you can get donut kits but you can't get a hot one so what we're doing is so unique to us so it'd be a shame to not continue it so it's definitely something that I'm going to focus on for sure yeah but you're gonna you're gonna focus in at the right time for your business and um you're going to potentially use some of your funds because you've just successfully crowdfunded yes. to scale your business. Absolutely. And that must be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you probably don't even have the time to get around to spending any of the money that you've raised <laughs> yeah. at the moment. But can you tell us more about your exciting plans and what was that process like and would you recommend it to others? Yeah, I mean, I would massively recommend it. And I think it's, for me, it was an incredible opportunity. One, because seeing that many people wanting to support my business in such a positive oh. way was, you, you just can't quite explain how that feels. So many people literally messaging me daily saying, oh my God, I've been checking it every day to see whether you're near the target. And I was so scared that you weren't going to do it. And then you did it. And it's just made me so happy. And to hear that from people who have no reason to support me other than through mm. the goodness of their own heart. Mm. And then of course the funds allow us the opportunity to open our production kitchen which has been such Mm -hmm. a transformative part of our business because before we were making what three thousand four thousand donuts a week from the tiniest footprint I can't even explain to you how small this shop is right now like I'm in a shed it's actually a shed like it's not even that's not even me trying to be funny it is actually a shed that's been converted into a shop so it's about three meters by four meters and our new kitchen is 12 meters deep so we've gone to a space that's four times the size it means that I'm able to hire a chef which I was never able to do in this space before and it just allows us the opportunity to grow the business in a direction that I know it can grow but in a way that means we don't compromise the product we're making. For those of us who are perfectionists, I think that that is our our fear, isn't it? Anything that we scale, because we have to scale, but how do we scale the unique? You know, that is always the holy grail of any mm-hmm. business, I would say, is just how do you scale the unique? And if as long as that is your mantra, mm. that you persevere, I do think that you can keep quality up. Um, but you have to be conscious Absolutely. about it, can't you? Um, I could just, I, firstly, I just want to come over. I just want to eat some donuts, <laughs> have a hot chocolate with you um, and chat more. But I've got two final questions that I'm asking everybody. You know, this podcast is here, this mini series to amplify small businesses because we're in the month of June, Campaign Shop Independent. And it is vitally important that after the shocking 18 months that small businesses have had, that we all get out there and vote with our money. And it has been fantastic, right? There has been a lot of love, but it needs to not just be in these periods of time that where sort of small businesses become top of mind. It needs to be every day because there is folks like yourself getting up at God knows what hour so that people can eat a great donut on their way to work, et cetera, et cetera. What does it mean to you when someone votes with their money and buys a delicious donut from you, supporting your small business, your dream? What does it mean to you, Lungi? I mean, it completely makes every bit of hard work that myself, my team, um, my suppliers to get us our products, our delivery driver, it makes everyone's work 
in because it's not one person who does this it's a whole team it just Mm. validates what we're doing and we show up so that other people can show up so when they do it means everything to us and we don't take a single sale for granted whether it's one donut or 50 donuts it doesn't matter how many you're getting it's just as important to us and our number one thing we strive for every day is you know no matter the person or what it is that they're doing our job is to make people's day whether that's with donuts or coffee or ice cream or whatever it is that we've got on the menu so allowing us the opportunity to do that is exactly why we're here and it's exactly what my team love to do and I love to do so it just yeah it feels incredible and it's something that I'm really proud that we're able to do on a daily basis it just means a lot to us. And what are your favourite small businesses at the moment? Can you give any shout outs? I I mean, I know this is hard, right? So um, if you were going to give a few shout outs on this podcast so that we can all go and support them, who would it be? Yes. Okay, so one of them would be Bates, who are inside Seven Dials with me. They are a fish-based restaurant inside Seven Dials, inside the Seven Dials market where I am. Um, It's run by a husband and wife who are just the kindest, nicest people ever. They're kind of like my support system. I love their name. Is it Bates? Bates is the name of the place. Yep. And they, yes. What a clever name. It's a very clever name. And I think seeing how they focus on locally sourced ingredients, understanding exactly where their fish is coming from, sustainability, like they really care about what they're producing. That for me is incredible. The other business I would give a shout out to is Plantain Kitchen. So they're based at Peckham Levels. Um, It's run by Toby and his mum. I mean, you could call it Afrofusion, but they do a combination of Afro-Caribbean food vibes and it is incredible. Their food's insane. And to see a mum and a son doing a street food business together just warms my heart it really really does it's like I imagine my kids one day working my future children working in my business and to see that makes me think okay that could be possible for me one day as well so I love what they're doing they're based in Peckham Levels and they're doing amazing things as well Oh, fantastic. Oh my, if anyone was hungry, this has just been a killer (laughs) interview just to to, to kill us off. Thank you for sparing the time. Well done you for working your absolute behind off and it's going to pay dividends. I absolutely, I mean, real dividends, (laughs) hopefully, (laughs) but just generally, this is a shining example of grit. And um, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. And so um, just high five for everything you're doing and well done. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun and I really appreciate it. And good luck to anyone out there starting a business, in a business. Um, It's hard for everyone. Just keep going and you'll get where you want to go. Great words to finish on. Thank you, Lingi. You know, the thing is, speaking to Lungi and Nikki on this week's episode, it just shows you, is niche really niche? Or is it just inspiration, creativity that's not yet been discovered? I think for me, I have been inspired to hear a business being created out of the thought of biscuits, a company that's thriving thanks to the love of donuts. What else is out there that's not being discovered? These two female founders have been inspired by things that have not been thought about, but they've had the bravery to go there. Even with the naysayers and those thinking they were slightly odd for what they were dreaming up, they were determined, they were loyal, and they persevered. And I'm just thrilled that that perseverance is paying off. My goodness, what an episode. 
What a fantastic campaign. And I really hope we can go and support Nikki and Lungi and those that they have given a shout out to. Because remember, we vote with our money for the type of world that we want to live in. And I, for one, want to live in a world where Lungi creates donuts and Nikki provides us with inspiration through her biscuit designs. A huge thanks to Dell Technologies, NatWest and Royal Mail, our small business supporters, for joining us to bring Campaign Shop Independent to life this summer for the first time, including this very special podcast. Please join the campaign and get involved. Over the coming months, we will be sharing all the ways that you can support the campaign, including the first ever official hashtag Shop Independent Day, the 25th of June. Put it in your diary. And also you can head over to holly.co for all the latest information. And finally, one other ask. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe, rate and review because each time you spread the word, it empowers someone else to build their good life.